Welcome back to JB Squared. I'm JB Hager, and I'm joined by Johan Bernil, and uh, we're going to talk stage 13 of the 2023 Tour de France, where things have, are really starting to heat up. And uh, we'll get Johan's take on what he saw today, both with the overall winner from a breakaway and the head-to-head -head battle for the GC. We'll get into that in just a second. All right, Johan, let's start with uh, talking about Kwiatkowski with, uh, with the win over that. But before you go too deep on, on him and, and, uh, and how deep he dug to get the win, that wasn't supposed to be a breakaway staying away today, was it? Normally not. Normally not. You know, we, uh, we had this relatively easy first part of the stage and basically just one, one big climb. Uh, and uh, a big, big group of 19, 20 riders went away. I think that was the big problem. Um, we Yesterday, we kind of anticipated that UAE would try to control the stage with these three riders, with uh, with Mikkel Björk and Langen and uh, Trentin. That's what they did. But I think they underestimated the, the strength of the breakaway or the, the so, some of the riders in the breakaway. And um, yeah, I mean, Kwiatkowski finally showed to be not just the strongest, but especially the most experienced because there was first three riders that kind of went away on the last climb. They looked like the, the three strongest riders and Kwiatkowski really paced himself and then all of a sudden came back and, and left them behind and finally won uh, with, uh, with almost a minute advantage. So... Amazing ride by him, you know. Um, I think um, we tend we tend to forget what what a strong rider he is because he has been during the Ineos years, the Sky years. He's been sometimes, most of the time, on on a Grand Tour team and was used to be one of the major domestiques. But you know, if you look at his uh, Palmares. Uh, he was world champion a long time ago. Actually, he turned professional with us uh, on Radio Shack in 2011. Um, we could, I remember, you know, he, he was, he had been world champion already, juniors, and he kind of faded away a little bit. And he was on a small Spanish development team. And it was like nobody wanted to sign him. It was, hmm. it was the development team of uh, Movistar. Uh, and, um, we were looking for some young riders and I found him. I did some research on him and I, I contacted him and asked him to go do a test at uh, our doctor's uh, uh, consultant, uh, like uh, his office. And I remember the doctor calling me afterwards. He said, okay, you want to sign this guy straight away. What this was that? Oh, what does that test entail? I, I'm dying. Oh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a VO2, VO2 max test, you know, oh, okay. a normal effort test. But, you know, at that age uh, and the numbers he was pushing there, um, I remember the guy, the doctor said, you know, he had only seen one better test in his uh, in his career was Contador. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. I don't think in our years of doing this, you've ever mentioned that, yeah, go get, go, go do this test. I want to see some numbers. And yeah, yeah. It, it, as opposed so, to them just sending something to you, you want current with a doctor, you know, yeah, that's, course, that's super interesting. Yeah, we need to, yeah, that's, that's, you know, they could send you whatever you, whatever they want. Right. Right. Um, 
but anyway, you know, uh, I I went, I had uh, gone see him also at the Tour de l'Avenir that year, um, and that year actually we we signed uh, we signed him, and we also signed Nelson Oliveira, who's also in the Tour, Portuguese guy, who's on Movistar. He's in a lot of breakaways. <clears throat> so um, so yeah, then you know, uh, then uh, Quick Step came after him. We we. We were in, I think we were in the middle of doing this merge. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. We were in the middle of doing this merge with, with Leopar, which later became Team Trek. And so he left to uh, to Quickstep and, and then turned world champion there and then went on to sign for Sky. He's been there ever since. But, you know, if you look at his uh, list of victories, you know, world champion, two times Amstel Gold Race, uh, Milan Sanremo beating Alaphilippe, Two times Strada Bianche, won Tireno Adriatico, won the Tour of Poland. Um, just name it. You know, I mean, uh, this is his second stage in the tour. All while he has been made basically a domestique in a lot of other races. Uh, you know, the guy's a top, top, top quality rider. And um seeing what I what I've seen already on stage six when he was actually in the breakaway which went over the Tour Malais and then finished on Cotere and and he was able to follow Wingergaard and Pogacar until 2 kilometers to go i think um that was uh a proof that he was in good shape so uh, a guy like that if he goes in a breakaway although he did say today you know that he was in the break and he said yeah you know we, we can never make it to the finish but you know 19 riders to bring that back with three riders, that's uh, that's a big task. That's a re- really big task, and that's ultimately what UAE uh, was confronted with. You know, they 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 could not allow themselves to put other riders who normally had to do the job on the climb. And um, yeah, once the the breakaway started with close to four minutes, it was very likely that at least one or two riders of the breakaway would make it to the finish which is what happened you know again we see a uh older rider over 30 you know making a good tactical move <laughs> this mm-hmm. is that experience pays off and, yeah, you and would it, have to, you, you would have to think you know the raw power is for the young guys right but the race savvy smartness is still for the more experienced guys like Peyo bilbao like johnny zagire like Piotkowski. And then it, what we're seeing a different role for Sky, but this tour could turn out you, really. You, you, you Neos, you oh, what did I say? I say Sky. Oh my I, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a, a different tour that if you look over the last 15 years for Ineos, uh, and it could turn out really well. They could a stage win. Yeah. You know, and they have two pretty solid in the top 10 yeah. could, could see Pidcock move up to very realistically get that fifth position right behind his teammate. Yeah, it could be, you know I mean? I think, I think they're really, um, I think they're really making the best of what they have, right? They know for a fact that they have nobody who can rival with Jonas and Tadej. Um, and that, you know, they have these two young guys who uh, are discovering basically what they're able to do in the Tour de France. And uh, for the moment, um, they're doing well. Carlos Rodriguez is is, is looking very good. 
but Tom Pitcock starts to really be more and more impressive. You know, the last two uphill finishes, the one on Puy de Dome, he was strong, like up there with up there, very close to the two best guys. And today also he was the best of the rest. So this is obviously, uh, you know, the proof that this guy has the quality to be, he has the quality to be the best of the world, of the world in basically anything. You know, I, I just heard today also that he's like, after the tour, he's going for, he's going to do the world championships road and mountain bike, you know, <laughs> uh, same as Van der Poel, by the way, but, now he's here and and I think that um you know you he's probably done a lot of preparation for the tour, but not not as not the same as somebody like Vingegaard who you know focuses his whole season on the tour. So Pitcock um looks like he's making another step uh towards you know being I, I think I think Pitcock is 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 a is a great talent and uh, don't know if he can ever win a Grand Tour, um, but he can definitely be up there. Interesting, because yeah, um, it's it's hard for him to be this Grand Tour guy with all of his other ambitions with the other disciplines, right? Is that yes. what it boils down to? That's of course, you know. I mean, how do you say to a guy like this? Okay, you know, you can do no more mountain biking, and you can do no more cyclocross. You need to focus on on the road and then even if you want to go for like a big tour like the tour you also need to you know lower your ambitions in the spring classics that's mm. just not natural for no, these guys no. right so i think that's the difficult uh challenge that they have with multi talents like this mm -hmm. i'd love your thoughts on <clears throat> team tactics today uae versus jumbo yesterday on the show you anticipated the, and even said, you know, Jumbo can take the day off. We saw Sepp Kuss up there staying with mm -hmm. uh, Vingago, but the the rest of the team, you you know, was it a poor performance or were they just saving up for today? Like well, you, you predicted. Know, it, it changed. It changed. I mean, your our opinion on Jumbo Visma and even on UAE changes all, all the time, you know? Uh, today, today I, I was thinking, I was driving somewhere with my car and I said, you know what? I think I figured it out. <laughs> I said, these team directors and these writers, they just look at one stage at a time. They don't look two or three, three days ahead. Hmm. That's, that's the only way I can explain that there, I mean, that's, of course, it's, that's, that's a joke, but uh, it's the only way I can explain certain things happening. Like yesterday you could see, I, I, I rewatched some images and especially at the beginning, you know, and Jumbo Visma was on a mission yesterday. Like every single breakaway, there had to be somebody in there. Whenever there was no breakaway, they attacked themselves with Tish Penot, spent so much energy uh, that I say, and then their explanation is, well, we wanted the bonuses to be gone. For, honestly, to me, that makes no sense at all. Um and then today, yeah, I mean, today they, they didn't have to do anything. So they probably calculated already, yeah, okay, Pogacar will want to go for the stage. There's going to be a breakaway. They, you know, they're going to ride on the flat. And then we don't really need to be strong as a team because Jonas just needs to follow UAE and, and Pogacar on the last climb. So that worked out for them today. 
Now, I don't know if that was on purpose. Well, what was on purpose definitely was Van Aert sitting up. You know, normally if it, a day like today, if, if Jonas Vingegaard would go for it, Van Aert would be one of the guys who drills it at the bottom of the climb, like speeds up and, and puts in a strong tempo. Obviously, that was clear that that was not going to be the case. Then you saw Tish Benot uh, getting dropped, not sitting up. So I said, well, you know, okay, yeah, he spent a lot yesterday. He was in the breakaway all day. But then you see Kelderman, who's norm- who was normally the second last guy for Vingegaard. So he got dropped early. Or then you ask yourself the question, did he not insist really? Because he knows that they don't have this plan for Vingegaard because their goal today is just stay with Pogacar. And then at the end, finally, it was only Sepkus with uh with Jonas and uh I mean he didn't have to put any tempo he did he did respond to an attack of Adam Yates but as a team if you look at it you can say okay UAE they have three four guys there Vingegaard is kind of on his own um you know he has Sepkus there um but then when you think a little bit further you could say yeah maybe they're thinking about saving and about, and about tomorrow so tomorrow we'll get the answer Mm-hmm. If that's really what they were thinking. And so flip-flop, uh, you know, UAE worked hard today and they continued to work as if mm-hmm. Pogacar was going to get the stage win. Yeah. What was your takeaway observing that? I mean, it was, it was full gas. What? Yeah. Four or five guys, like really U- dominant. UAE worked hard. They, uh, you know, the, okay. You can say like, you know, those three guys, uh, Bjerk, Langen, and Trentin, they had to do the job for what well, I mean, I don't know how long it took. Um, let's say 15, 20 kilometers before then. Then they had like 90 kilometers until they got to the bottom of the climb. So you can say, okay, you know what? It's not too bad. You know, they take turns. So let's say they in reality, they spent 30 kilometers each on the front of real effort, right? That's okay. But then on the on the on the last climb, they had the other four riders uh going full gas when Marc Soler spent a lot, a lot, a lot of energy. Uh then who is the other guy? Uh Groschartner spent spent quite a bit. Then Micah, and then finally Adam Yates. So I personally think that uh it was a big investment, a lot of energy spent for not very much benefit. And that benefit turned out to be how many seconds, you know, it it just wasn't that much. Well, you know, I mean, if they come together to the finish, let's say if it's for the stage win, Pogacar could get 10 seconds. Most likely, Jonas Vingegaard will get six, six seconds. So that's four seconds. So it's just the amount of time that he could drop Jonas, so independently, they could have done exactly the same thing and uh, and still got the same the same uh, the same bonus. You know, without uh, well, I mean, yeah, we'll get a four seconds bonification, but honestly, a whole day of work for four seconds bonification, that's in my opinion, that's not worth it. Yeah, what would a, today's stage have looked like if UAE didn't pull all the way up that climb? They'd have just still been side by side or, you know, back to back, whichever way you look at it. And uh, 
and then sprinting at the end. Yeah, I mean, it would be the same. Huh. Obviously, Vingegaard was not able to... He's not able to... to res- I mean, he can respond to that acceleration, but he can't keep it. So it would have been exactly the same. They wouldn't have had the bonification. But also, this was now just at the end... A, a pure luck because you know there were still three four riders up front and if one of those guys is a little bit stronger then then Bogacar is not third and he's fourth and it's just four seconds so I personally think it was a big big day of work for not a lot of reward um which you know in the Tour de France that's not what you want now you'll find this interesting because we you've you've been talking for some time about how you know Hey, the, the Peloton's getting 1% faster every year. And, you know, you looked at some numbers of what Pogacar did on this climb in 2020. And it's not just that Pogacar was a little bit, was faster than 2020. It's a, a lot of people are faster than his 2020 time. 2020, Pogacar won the stage, beat beat Roglic in the sprint. We don't know if, if the, the weather circumstances were the same, but he climbed uh, the the Grand Colombier in 45 minutes, 50 seconds. Three years later, same climb. Does an attack also at the end. Uh, and he does 44 minutes, one second. So that's one minute, 49 seconds faster. He does beat that. I, mean, I don't know if that was the, the, the record, probably. But it's not just him, JB. It's probably 15 riders who went faster than three years ago. Wow. Because if you look, okay. Um, so if you look, Pogacar finishes third. So obviously Vingegaard went faster. Pitcock went faster. Hindley, uh, Hindley went faster. Simon Yates, Adam Yates, Carlos Rodriguez, Sepkus, uh, Felix Gall, Louis Manchins, David Godu, Peyo Bilbao. They all went faster. Then the first guy in 2020. It well, it just re- reiterates like it's, <laughs> you know, these 13 or so guys have improved that much in a couple of years to be where yeah. Pogacar was in 2020, but it's not enough. The 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 top two still keep improving. Yeah, there's yeah, still yeah. that there's still a bit of that gap. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, that's got to be frustrating. Uh, it was more or less if you look if you look at if you look at how the stage was decided in in 2020 and now it was more or less the same you know it like it was a group of 8 10 riders that you know bit by bit started to accelerate and then just the last two three riders went up uh Sepkus was up there also uh with uh with Roglic in 2020 so it's it's more or less the same they just go they all go a minute plus faster. Hmm. Uh, it's, you know, that's where you see sometimes, you know, like um, you, you, you keep seeing this. There was, there was a bit of controversy about Chris Froome, right? Lately where the the team owner said, yeah, well, you know, we didn't get value for our money. And, and then Chris Froome says, yeah, you know, while well, I'm coming back, I am, I'm, I'm pushing my best numbers again. And, doesn't matter if you push your best numbers, man. You're going to be nowhere. The The world has moved on. It's 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 over. You know, like like wow. whatever, if you, even if you get to your best, there's no way you're going to get close uh, yeah. to those guys. Today's show is brought to you by Ketone IQ. 
made by HVMN. On an upcoming show, we're going to talk to Michael, the CEO uh, of HVM, HVMN. I think you'll find it pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, I challenge you to, to uh, do a, a subscription to it. Give it give it a few months. Um, I can vouch for it personally that I definitely feel more mental clarity, more sharpness, alertness, not bonking during the day. And that's on a shot a day. So there's a couple options for you. You can use these little, um, you know, what I just call the travel pack kind of size. You know, you're going on a trip, throw a bunch of these in your bag or in my fridge. Uh, I have these large bottles, which is actually 10 shots per bottle. So, you know, try a subscription, give it a few months. I think uh, you'll see some improvement, whether it's physical, mental, uh, you'll, you'll definitely feel something um, uh, uh, I have. And 60% of the Peloton in the tour is using this. This says something uh, uh, all in itself. Available at Sprouts, if you have one of those in your city, you can grab them there. Uh, or you can get 30% off the subscription that I mentioned of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe uh, checkout for 30% off. Today's show is also brought to you by Ventum. Uh, we've been telling you about the NS1 for some time, their road bike. And then they released the GS1 just a few years ago. And now the all new GS1, which is the bike that I just got. And uh, I can tell you personally that I'm enjoying it out here in Aspen because there's a big trail that connects the towns through the valley and it goes back and forth between paved and, and, and gravel. And uh, I've ridden it in the past on my road bike and it was doable, but you just feel like you're going to slide out on any corner. So you're slowing it way down. Not anymore. The GS1, you just kind of keep rocking. You don't care what the terrain is. Uh, maybe you have some pathways that are just lumpy. You know, they've aged a bit. Uh, man, it just takes all that out of it, riding a GS1. It's it's just an incredible bike. You can build it out online, which is a fun thing to do. Just go in there, pick the frame. All the frames are the same, top of the line, no matter how you outfit it. And you can outfit it as low as uh, on the GS1 as uh, just under $3,000, $29.99 with the SRAM Apex AXS. And then you can build out and spec out everything to your liking. Uh, it's a, it's a really fun exercise to do and they offer, and I, I kind of compared it to some of the other brands where you can order online. They offer a lot more detail and how you, um, build it out, handlebar width, crank length, all those things. Uh, check it out at ventumracing.com and you can get 10% off when you use the code we do at checkout. 10% off a bike, uh, really adds up. We do at checkout at ventumracing.com slash the move. And we have two things still to talk about. I want you to talk about the fight for the podium, this, this battle yeah. for, for, for the third spot on the podium. But before that, I know you also wanted to explain, um, as they go into the Alps, it's not high mountains as mm -hmm. you might expect. Well, Ex you know, explain was, who that benefits or, uh, yeah, I, I just went through all through the stages, right. That we still have. So for example, tomorrow, we have we have uh, the finish in Morzine. They they don't go. They they never go over seventeen hundred meters. So that's not. It's not the high mountains, right? It's not. This is not two thousand meters. It's different. Uh, then the day after, um, again, same thing. Fourteen fifteen hundred meters. Then it's a rest day. Then it's the time trial, and then it's a very hard stage into Courchevel, 
um, here they do two climbs of uh, 2,000 meters, which is, you know, uh, the Cormet de Rosalan at the beginning. And then the only big, big, big climb, a part of the Tourmalet, is the Col de la Loz. That's 2,300 meters. That's the hardest climb, in my opinion, of the whole tour. But except that stage, they don't go really into the very, very high Alps, um, which I think personally um, benefits Pogacar. Why I say that is because, you know, Pogacar, because of the circumstances, has only been able to do one altitude training camp. And it was kind of also, I think, in like acceler accelerated mode. You know, he was in Sierra Nevada with the, the injury still. Didn't spend that much time uh, because he still had to go and recon some uh, to the France stages. Whereas Jonas Vingegaard has done multiple altitude camps, which of course benefits your overall condition, but it also gives you an advantage when you're over 2,000 meters in in uh, in the race. So here, whatever we have left, they only have one climb left over 2,000 meters, and that's uh, that's the last mountain stage. So I think that benefits mm. the Pogacar. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then now the fight for the podium. What what what's the outlook? There's uh, a really interesting battle for. I mean, Jay Henley's in good shape, but yeah, if he if he has a bad day, let's say. Well, you know, Jay Hindley is right now. Uh, he's almost two minutes ahead of uh, fourth place. Uh, he keeps being up there. You know, he loses a little bit of time, not too much. You know, today he was the fourth best guy of GC. Um, Carlos Rodriguez lost a little bit of time today. Adam Yates lost a bit of time. Simon Yates, Peyo Bilbao lost quite a bit, a lot of time. And then we have Thomas Pitcock. So I think for Thomas Pitcock is getting better, but he's still only in eight, right? Uh, he definitely does have um, the potential to be in the top five. The podium, he would need a bad day from Jay Hindley. Uh, or a bad time trial, maybe. I don't think that's going to happen because it's it's a hard time trial. For the moment, Jay Hindley looks like he's in pole position for the podium. Um, but of course, you know, we still have these big big Alp stages ahead of us. Um, that's going to be a very, very interesting race. You know, I mean, uh, we have the first two here behind me, separated by nine seconds. Uh I mean, so deep into the Tour de France, I think that's it's a long time ago. I cannot remember uh, any any time. Um, I remember 2003, uh, very, very late into the Tour, uh, Lance was 15 seconds ahead of Ulrich for a number of stages. So that didn't feel very good, I can tell you. <laughs> so I can only imagine how they feel in Jumbo Visma, you know? Uh, that it's stressful. It's nervous, nerve wracking. Because you go and back, then, you go back and you said leading up to this tour, he's got to hit him in that first week. He's got to get that gap. And he did, yeah. but yeah, it's, he did. It's, it's shrinking. It's just shrinking. Yeah. Bit by bit. It's, I mean, you know, and still, you know, the, the differences are really small, but it must feel like, ah, somebody's creeping up on me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, I mean, We'll see. I mean, they keep saying, they keep, people keep saying, you know, yeah, Vingegaard is better in the long mountains. And 
I mean, Pogacar's not bad either, you know. I mean, I've seen him <laughs> do some crazy stuff in long mountains already. Uh, uh so so we'll 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 see. I think for the moment it's still advantage Pogacar, you know, bit by bit, you know, the these man except that first mountain stage, but these man-to-man battles, he's won them, all of them, the last three of them, right? So um so yeah. We'll see the podium. The podium battle will be very interesting, JB. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you know, you have Jay Hindley, you have Rodriguez, the two Yates brothers, Pitcock, Bilbao, Godu. I don't think Godu can be he can be on the podium, and Sepkus. That's the top ten. So um, I think it's going to be between Hindley, Rodriguez, and and probably Pitcock. Um. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. All right, let's uh, get your thoughts on tomorrow. We, uh, um, according to Lance, he looked it up. There may be some bad weather uh, to deal with tomorrow. Yeah, no, I just I just received the official uh, communication here from the tour, and uh, they're expecting good temperatures and no rain. So okay, that changes things. Tomorrow, stage fourteen. You know, it's. We go over Juplan in the in the uh, in the end of the stage. Finish him Morzine, um, 152 kilometers, so not very long, but it's a hard stage. It's 4,300 meters of total elevation. So calculate that in feet. It's uh, what is it, 13, 14,000 feet of climbing. Three cat one climbs and one horse category climb, which is the Juplan. The Juplan is 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 a really really hard climb. We um we have some bad memories there uh, on the Juplan. We, you know, I, me personally, uh, I had I remember that day I had the 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 Prime Minister of Belgium in my car, and um, you know we had been very dominant. Lance was I think six seven minutes lead, and so the guy the guy uh, is a huge cycling fan. And so, you know, I say, yeah, and Lance, how's he going to say, yeah, you know, on Juplan, I think he's going to go, you know, I think he's going to drop everybody. Ooh. We got to the bottom of the Juplan and I saw Richard Virac go, Ulrich go, and Lance just stayed there. I said, what is, you know, what's going on? And turned out he was bonking. So we had to really manage that, uh, that 10 kilometer climb and, you know, stay calm and, Try to get through it. Finally, it turned out okay. He only lost like one and a half minute, which was not bad uh, for somebody who's bonking at the bottom of a ten-kilometer climb. But mm-hmm. um, it's—I think—a breakaway has a chance um, tomorrow. I think it's back to Jumbo Visma to to take control of the race. They are they're in yellow, and um, we'll see what they do. You know, I mean, if they if they're gonna put by guys in the break. I think Van Aert is going to be on on duty again. Probably someone else <clears throat> of, of their team, and then um, tomorrow it's it's I think the reversed scenario of today is Jimbo Visma in control and UAE uh, following them, and then probably UAE taking over on the last climb to prepare a uh, an attack of Pogacar, and then you know. We've seen what happened last year when they both went down crazy as, you know, they, they, Pogacar went down on one of those downhills. So, yeah, they were taking all kinds of risks going head to head. And, and that uh, if you don't remember it from last year, 
both of them almost went down. Pogacar did slide out in the gravel, yeah. and then they just sort of sat up and called a truce. Like, yeah. wait a minute, yeah. we're going to die trying to do this. It was a, it was actually a great moment in the sport. To, tomorrow is is it's a technical downhill. Um, I'm not going to say it's dangerous, but it's you know they 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 can. I mean, especially you know if you're already on the limit on that climb, they're they're quite equal going downhill. Also, I have to say, you know. Fingergaard is no uh is not a bad guy in he's not bad in downhill. So we'll see what happens. Um if they can't drop each other for sure, for sure, for sure. I expect both of them to put the other one on the limit in the downhill. So that's gonna be gonna be tension uh from the couch to watch that. Um but yeah, it's 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 a you know four thousand three hundred meters of climbing, it's it's a hard stage, a really hard stage. Um, you would expect, you know, you would expect that somehow you start to see some more separation between both of them. But for the moment, man, I mean, they're really there. You know, it's uh, it's like whenever it's steep, Pogacar has this kick. He can get a little bit of time on 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 Vingegaard, but Vingegaard is tough and doesn't break. That could also happen again tomorrow. Yeah. I think I think I think Pogacar is going to try to attack. Well, after what we saw today, like he's definitely thinking, okay, I need to go a little sooner. I can drop him and I just uh -huh. needed more time. He did it so yeah. late today, which yeah. is why it didn't amount to as much as he probably would have liked. Yeah. Well, it's also it was also to do with the uh, with the steepness of the climb. Like at the end, it was a bit easy. The, the the hard part was really in the beginning of this climb. And then he knew that that those last four or five hundred meters were really steep, like super steep. Um, so that's probably why he waited. You know, sometimes you can get the same amount of time with a short, violent attack than with an attack and then having to maintain that for two or three kilometers. Uh, but tomorrow, Juplan is hard all the way, all, mm -hmm. all the way. That's a hard climb. All right. Let's do our uh, Ventum trivia. There was some, of course, some uh, uh, question over yesterday's answer. I guarantee you when we have two or three answers that we you know i've thrown out that i got from ventum that we thought were right if you if it ended up being something else they're going to consider both answers and put it into the drawing okay mm -hmm. so uh i'll just move on to today's question which you know johan might remember off the top of his head we'll see what was the first year the tour had the grand depart outside of france and where did it take place no Shaking his head. That does not know. Okay. I mean, well, I you, have something I have something in mind, but um probably not, probably not. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, well, the good thing with this, you know, they're making it very easy at Ventum. They want you to participate. You can look it up, do the research on your own, and email that answer. Do not send it to us, send it to trivia at ventumracing.com, and you're gonna be entered to win. Uh, NS1, the road bike on the last day, we'll be drawing that. Okay. Um, this first thing is, is not so much a question, but I thought it was super interesting. Uh, Johanna brought it up on, on the move because yesterday we played a clip of, of Jonas Vingago and you, you commented, it's like, eh, I just, I don't hear the confidence in him. He said something like, well, I'm going to try very hard tomorrow. And, and in your mind, that that's not a quote from a badass champion, right? It mm -hmm. sounds it sounds like it's doubtful. That's what I thought. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so this is interesting. Uh, one of our listeners, Heidi, wrote to us, and I, I'd love your thoughts on this. Uh, she says, hey, Johan, I'm an American living uh, for over 20 years on the northwest coast of Denmark, 30 kilometers from where Jonas was born and did his training. The area is called Tu. It's spelled T-H-Y, but pronounced Tu. The natives here, uh, Northwest, are notoriously understated and not very animated. So when they say, I'll do my best, it really means I'll kick ass. When they mean something like, uh, some, when they mean that something is really good, they typically say, it's not too bad. Right? That's mm. just their demeanor. Bjarne Reese was from the west of Denmark, uh, two hours further south of here. He was also tremendously understated in interviews. Yeah. Um, regards and thank you. Uh, uh, sharing your knowledge and humor on this great podcast. That's from Heidi. Mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty interesting. I can understand. I can understand what she says. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not, not to the same extent, but, you know, I mean, I live in Spain, right? Southern Europe. And I'm from Northern Europe, right? Not as high up as Denmark, but also, you know, Belgium. Belgium is considered Northern Europe, uh, and they always say the more north you go, the colder people are. I mean, the colder the colder temperatures, yes, but also you know the the less passionate, the less emotional, and that's true actually. Sometimes I get the same remark here in Spain, like you know, yeah, you guys Nordics, you know, you guys are cold, you know, you do, you, you don't show emotion. <laughs> Uh, so I can understand what she's saying. Yeah. So uh, good, good point. Good point. No, that, that is pretty interesting. It's probably uh, similar in the U S if you go East to coast to West coast, right? Mm -hmm. You start out East coast, people are hard, you know, that's yeah. generations of the first colonies that, that they had to survive. Then you move into the Midwest. People are super nice. Then you get to the West. They're just soft. The Californians <laughs> and like in Seattle, they're just so soft. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Pretty interesting. Uh, one more question here for you, uh, for you, Johanna says, my name is Randy and I'm from Los Angeles. Uh, been a listener since the very beginning of the podcast when it was called stages. My question uh, is, has there been a tour de France where a majority of the sprinters have missed the time cut, causing them to be eliminated, especially on high mountain stages uh, on either the Alps or the Pyrenees? That's from Randy. Good question. Well, I can't remember. I mean, sprinters, of course, have been eliminated because of the time cut. But normally, you know, there's always something happening in the in the peloton, which is called the bus, the forming of the bus. The bus is called the gruppetto, you know, which is basically riders sticking together uh, to make sure that they're enough in quantity to not get eliminated in case they don't make the time cut. because. Let's and, and this you see this in the in the Tour de France, for example, that group gets bigger and bigger as, as the stages go on. And that's obviously, you know, they do it on purpose. Um, they know that if there's 50, 60, 70 riders together, the Tour de France is not gonna take them out because then you're left with a peloton of 70, 60 riders, which mm. it does not look very good on TV. <laughs> um so um Riders, I mean, in a group of sprinters being eliminated, yes, but uh, that's also why uh, sprinters normally they have two or three teammates 
with them. So they can, on the flat parts or in the valleys, they can paste them back into the, the bus, let's say, let's say the, the Gruppetto. And then normally on the last climb, they try to stick together. They said there's always there's always a bus driver. They call it a bus driver, uh, which is the, the the one who sets the pace in the Gruppetto. Mm. You know, and that's like a pace that everybody can more or less follow, but just... Uh, you know, like accept an acceptable pace, not too fast, not too slow. So, um, you know, big groups normally don't get eliminated. Well, then the commissaries normally, they, you know, or the Tour de France asks the UCI uh, judges, hey, you know, let's keep them in, you know, let's come up with whatever, you know, special they, race circumstance. They can uh, find a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you have to remind yourself it's it's a television show. It's a sports <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. And yeah, and like you said, if all those writers go home, that's not, not as entertaining. No. And so everybody wants to see the show succeed, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, great. Great stuff, Johan. Appreciate your insight. As always, you can write to Johan with your questions. Send it to JB squared, JB2 at we do.team. All right. Thanks, Johan. And we'll talk tomorrow. Okay, JB. Thanks. Speak tomorrow. 